So, in another <laughs> installment of Behind the Climb, ooh, this ooh. is, is kind of like Behind the Music, only Behind the Climb with Twight. Yeah, that's badass. I think it is badass. I like it. I like, it, it. I like it, Staley. Okay, so All we're, right. we're great. I'm glad studio. everybody approves. We, oh, inside the, oh, no, if we're going to be inside the actor's studio, we have to talk in really deep voices and, <laughs> and be self-important and feign actual interest in the interviewee. <laughs> talk about our instruments and such things yeah um <laughs> i understand that we're in for an episode that takes place sometime in the mid 90s yes and okay and so i just want to give the listener some context okay Let's so twite in the 90s this is like post deprivation you'd started doing single push like really badass hard stuff fast right yeah, yeah. and and you're you're climbing with scott back he's he's like your main partner your yes. buddy oh yeah okay like um but yeah, tied together for the rest of our lives. Perfect. And <laughs> so I'm just curious, like, um, what technically what's that relationship like? Like, um, if you guys are, say you would go cragging, you're, you're swinging leads or something. If you're not doing like most of the time you're doing a hardcore solo shit. But if you're actually roped up, like, how does that work? Do you, you swing leads? One guy's like, I'm not feeling it today. Then it's the other guy just has to pick up the slack. How does that work? Wow, um, it, it works like the guy in front is the is the best guy for the terrain. Okay, right. So okay, uh, and, and we had it, and, and that was kind of an. I, I want to say it's like an egoless thing. Yes, but it's not an egoless thing. It's just like okay, this must just make fucking sense. So you know that, each of you what your skill set is, and like he's better at some shit, you're better at some shit. Exactly. Okay. So if it's hard technical rock climbing, Scott's in front. Okay. Okay, and if it's and if it's basically sort of like moderate type of terrain or frozen you know we're but let's just say we're equals uh, if it's a frozen waterfall pitch we're equal doesn't okay. doesn't matter Not, neither guy's going to do it this and that but if it's slightly less than that if it's like the sort of grade four style let's just say okay the ice is like 70 to 80 degrees or it's or it's an endless fucking slope of break and trail then i get in front okay and and so if we look back um Sort of to precede the the story that's about to that, that will come in a second. Okay. Um, there was there was a winter. It was the 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 autumn of 1993, and and I was still living in Chamonix, and the conditions it was shaping up to be in a fucking incredible autumn. Okay. And I just said, Scott, you need to get you need to get here. Like I'd gone up and tried something uh, earlier in the year. And I was just like, okay, I, I was I was up on the the Aguisan Nam with Christoph Baudouin, and and we had um, seen the hard shit <laughs> and not done it, um, partially because his level of like uh, like it it would have been me in front all the time with him because he was not at my level. So, but I'd seen this new route to do, and uh, and it was shaping up for a really good autumn. And I was like, fuck, I don't have a partner, so I called Scott, and I was just like Scott. I'll buy your ticket. You need to get here. And because Scott is like self-employed, he's working in the film business. That time is a grip and you know, he's between, between jobs and he's just like, dude, like, I'm okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. And I would rather import, you know, Scott <laughs> for these roots than try and do it with a local guy. 
um, just be, just because Scott and I can, we can talk without talking. Yes. And, uh, and this sort of preceded deprivation in Alaska, which happened the, the, the following uh, year. But um, he, he came over and, uh, and we did these new routes. And on the, on Birthright, which was the west face of the Grand Charmeuse, this route, we, we swung leads. We alternated, like mm-hmm. typical style, as, mm-hmm. as you would on a normal cragging thing. Um, but then when we went up on their, the route that became There Goes the Neighborhood, uh, the climbing was, you know, some of the stuff was so fucking hard. I mean, there was like a really difficult mixed pitch that had some aid in it and that kind of thing. Okay, Scott has to go first there. He's just going to be more efficient and and safer. I get on that pitch, I'm going to be like, I could be a liability for the team where okay. he's going to be an asset. So it, we were, su- and, and, and then like there's hard, thin ice climbing for two or three pitches at the very bottom, like very, very, very scary shit. You know, half an inch, inch thick ice, no gear for, you know, long, long stretches. And, um, and so we're both equally adept on that. And in the middle, there was like this 50, 55 degree, you know, slope that inc- breaking trail then turned up you know, in the snow and then turned to black ice and it's just like okay put mark in front for as long as it takes because he he'll just like get right up to his threshold and just fucking keep going and then get back to the you know harder technical climbing in the, in, in these rock bands that we had to get through to get off the thing um and yeah the the, the things that were super unknown or whatever where scott was obviously going to be a lot better um if it was steep technical rock and mixed be him if it's a pure ice pitch whatever but you know we can swing cool okay thank you i mean kind of a nerdy question i guess but i just you know you're pretty good at self-assessment because you've had to do that i guess to survive and to do these things but like okay. you're really you're understated about you know like your ability and stuff i i don't know what it was but what what do you think you were best at during that time period was it just like the the really the endurance and in the, the ability to just go hard for a long time rather than just being super technical or i mean i was a um yeah, I was a really shit technical rock climber. Okay. And actually, uh, you know, there's been numerous times where, you know, uh, Jim Danini, generation ahead of me, but yes. like one of the greatest climbers from North America, greatest climbers in the world at a certain point, you know, yeah. when they fucking did Tori Eger. I mean, that's like, that's that's super real. Um, and he went on to have this long, long career, but he spent a lot of time in Yosemite. And, and one of the reasons he that guy was so good in the mountains is because of his technical rock climbing ability. And he always called me out for it. He goes, if Twite could climb hard rock, then he would be able to do even more in the mountains. But it wasn't something that I was that interested in developing. Okay. Um, because I hated hanging out at the sport crag. Yeah. Or even the, the local, you know, and, and not even, and, you know, having, even though I was born in Yosemite, I didn't really dig it as a, like it, a destination, you know, I liked to be higher up, but he, Danini had always mentioned that. And, and I knew it was a fault of mine, which is why Scott and I meshed so well, because as a, as a rock, I mean, the guy, Scott's so fucking good. Really? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, especially in the era. I mean, if you, you know, go back um, to, you know, when he was going out to Yosemite and, and I'm trying to think like the, the first article, uh, where I ever, you know, heard his name or read his name was, uh, I think, an attempt to try and, you know, do either a new route or to free climb a route on the south face of Mount Watkins in, in Yosemite. I think it was with a guy, Dave Austin, maybe. Um, 
sounds right to me, but could be wrong. And and like I read about it, and I was like, oh my god, that dude's super hardcore. And I, and for some reason, I thought Scott was, you know, I'd read that article, and he just sounded so rough, and you know, I mean, so tough, and and everything. I thought he was from Montana. <laughs> uh, you know, for some reason, I'm just like, oh, that dude sounds like he's from someplace like super hardcore. And then it turns out that Scott is from Minneapolis, St. Paul, like a flat place, right? There's oh, yeah. The, yeah and, he's, like, and he's lived there like almost his whole life. Wow. And so you think like, OK, and, and for me. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and for me, I'm just like, how the fuck does that guy get that good at climbing in the mountains from being in that place? Yeah. And, and uh, and we, you know, briefly, I think looked into that. Maybe I'll have to do it again next time he get, comes on the podcast. But in the first podcast episode that we recorded with him, we talked a little bit about his history because it's like, okay, you're, dude, you're you're you know, you're waiting tables, you're taking a lot of fucking drugs, you're working in the film business later after you're done waiting tables, and you're going climbing as much as you possibly can, and you live in St. Paul. Like, yeah. how do you get out of the devil's lake small crag how do you get so thing. good yeah are you just had that natural ability had the, the dna or something well no he had the desire yeah and that and the desire took him to the places to do the thing okay I mean, that's, that's what it takes like what was the there's a japanese climber that uh did the speed record up the nose and oh he, he, he yeah. practiced on a boulder crag yeah. he was bouldering to practice for a yeah two-hour effort or more three-hour effort yeah, whatever, two, three whatever. hour i don't remember yeah. i think when Yuji did but it i mean it's it's, desi- it? well, it's desire and the willingness to put in the work yeah yeah and yeah. No, regardless of where you are if you're like yeah. oh, i don't have the i'll find a way you you can find a way yeah i i think and that's and that's would be the lesson you know you know the greatest lesson of scott's sort of whole climbing career to me would be to show that hey if you're in indianapolis and you want to go climbing and become a climber you can. Yeah. yeah. You don't yeah, have to live cool. in Seattle or Salt Lake or Boulder or wherever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So the, you guys you guys hit it off, and, and then he was your main dude, and you're yeah. like, that's who I want to climb with. And uh, now we're, we're sort of mid-'90s, and we're, we're going to enter South America. So I'd been um, in 92, I'd gone to Bolivia and Argentina for the first time. Okay. Well, actually, I'd been to Argentina before with Bouchard. We tried to climb Cerro Torre and, well, we tried to climb Aconcagua and failed. And we tried to climb Cerro Torre and failed. <laughs> um, so I'd been there in like late 87 um, with Bouchard. But I, but uh, it, it because of the negative experience, you know, like the fact that we did not get up anything um, when, you know, everything on our resume said that we should. Uh, uh, it kind of left a taste in my mouth, but I went back in 92, um, when I was working on one of the French uh, sort of action movies and, and we had done two pilots, you know, pushing limits one, pushing limits two. Um, and and there was, those were 16 mil things. And then Thierry got the budget to, to, you know, make an actual movie, 35 mil film and, and then shit gets exponentially harder. It's not just like double the width of film stock doesn't just double the difficulty yeah <laughs> like everything it's, it's there's a there's a 1.75 x or you know whatever <laughs> it's like oh, on top of the double um anyway so we we went down we'd filmed a lot of stuff in the alps and we went down there and, and 
and uh, I, and I'd seen the mountains in Bolivia at that point. You know, after we'd we'd kind of cruise around, we'd gone into Condoriri, um, myself and Eric Bellan and Christoph, a couple of the other guys on the film. We'd like simulsoloed Condoriri, which is I don't know six thousand meter peak or something or fifty three. I can't even remember, but it's it you know it's it's a you know fun little romp, and um, um, so I'd seen the potential and. Uh, in 92 and then I went back with um, a client Ed Pope who who had been um, at, by that point we had done he'd, I'd guided him in the Alps we'd done a new route on a peak uh, together in the Himalayas 5800 meter peak in Nepal um, and he was like yeah I need a little bit more or something and I thought okay we should go back to Bolivia because it's super you know it's kind of accessible um, I mean, the mountains are, are you know, more, it, it's, it's more accessible than going to the Himalayas because you can, you know, fly into La Paz, you land the plane at 13,000 feet. Yeah. You know, whatever. Like get out of the airport, trying to drag your bags, you know, through customs or something. And you're like, oh my God, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. Um, what have I done? Yeah. And, and how are we possibly going to go climbing if I feel this bad right here in the fucking airport? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then over a period of time, you, you acclimatize. Um, and, and, and La Paz is an interesting place because... Um, it's, you know, generally everywhere in the world, the wealth increases the higher you go on the terrain. Okay. You know, let, let's just yep. say like you're, you're say here in Salt Lake City, you know, I look out and I go, okay, the, the, the rich people live in Park City. Yeah. The rich people live up, you know, it's Jeremy Ranch or it's if you're down here in the valley, then um, the lower priced homes are down on the valley floor. And then you go up into Olympus Cove and. Cottonwood Heights and shit like that. Got the good views. They're up on the hillside. Yeah. That way everywhere. Yeah. And the money. And so La Paz, it's totally flipped on its, on, you know, all the, like the, the, the poverty is up on the Altiplano where the, where the airport is. And then the, the narco, you know, at at the time, you know, I just said, ah, it's just like narco dollars and they, and they go downhill. And so the lower altitude, you you drive down the hill, the switchbacks to get into La Paz and the lower you go, the, greater the concentration of money of, of wealth and hmm. so it's totally flipped on its on its lid uh in, in a way and i mean i i from having been there in 92 i fucking loved that city i mean i just had really good memories of, of being there so when i went back with ed and uh my girlfriend katie uh i guess we probably well it's 95 we were married still <laughs> or then uh and um uh, and and Ed's wife Betty and we you know did some acclimatization hikes around and this and that and and uh, um, and, and then uh, went out towards um, Pico del Norte Pico del Norte and Iliampu and Ancahuma um, and didn't really for a variety of reasons didn't you know get up anything significant. And the idea was that, you know, Ed and Betty would be there with, for, with us for a couple of weeks and then I'd have like a week for myself or something afterwards to try and do something. And uh, I went to try and solo the West Face of Juana Potosi and, and got out there, started up, wasn't feeling it for whatever reason, bailed. So it was kind of a, that 95 trip was kind of a bust. And I always wanted to go back with like a, with, you know, a better partner with Scott mm-hmm. um, because I'd seen the terrain. I was like, man there's a bunch of fucking new routes to do down there and and we should go so 96 i can you know can i, I say hey ed we got the a team this time we'll make something happen so he comes down uh with us it's, it's scott and i ed and betty and and we again around la paz we 
you know, do some acclimatization kind of hikes and whatever. And then we, then we drive out and we go into this Yonko Kota Valley where, um, I knew there were peaks to climb, um, potentially some frozen waterfalls this time of year that are sort of high altitude things and an incredibly beautiful place where no, it's not like going to Condoreri and, Al, and, and Pequeño Alpamayo and that area where there's like a, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. This was a place that not many, not many climbers were going, you know, at that time. And, um, and so I convinced Ed to uh, head out to that zone, and we didn't know exactly what could happen, but we'd make something happen. So you would take your clients up some some more moderate stuff, and then you and Scott would do something badass. Exactly. Yeah, cool. and that was kind of the plan. We like, mm-hmm. and and the 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 you know the process of like doing some stuff with Ed and and Betty would help us get acclimatized, and you know see some stuff around like okay we're gonna pick the we're gonna be we're in this valley and there's all this incredible shit and we'll be able to pick an objective that would be maybe too hard to do in like guide client type relationship but if it's two you know equal climbers then it would be then it'd be good and it's and it's sort of i guess having the guide relationship i don't know how it works does that sort of fund you getting there basically like they they sort of get you there because you i mean most climbers at your level had sponsors and stuff and you didn't really like to have it there was, I mean, I was at, at that point, um, 96, I'd, I had a relationship with Low Alpine. Okay. Um, and, and, and that was, that was kind of it at that point. Like okay. I was, I, I wasn't, I, I was in the sort of period when I didn't want to have, I had already realized like I was making decisions about what to do in the mountains based on media impact and the the value for sponsors based on just bringing back pictures for them or whatever or whatever you do the, like the cool hard thing you know what's the thing that's going to get the most media attention yeah and so and 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 once i realized that that was influencing my decision making i realized okay that that okay you're going to fucking die yeah i mean i've already seen it writ large like this is me on a smaller scale but i've <laughs> seen guys trying to do stuff for sponsors and getting chopped but yeah. it, but it's so hard, like that tension of between like you almost you can't do the big objectives without some real financial support. So that puts you in a tough spot. Yeah, but it just became it. It made sense at the time. Like it, I, I didn't have a monthly, you know, salary or a stipend or whatever that I was getting from this you know, from from low at that point. Um, it was all you know project by project kind of thing. Or hey, help us design this. Path. You know, come out. We're going to do two days of design meetings and, you know, here's the rate for those days. And I'd take that money and I'd put it towards the thing. And perfect. Um, and, and, and that was essentially how it was you know, working at that point. And then and uh, and 96 to sort of 98, I was also shooting pictures, you know, full time ish. Um, and, and uh you know, got a bunch of great assignments from different magazines and this and that, and that kind of thing. So, so there there was income en- enough to spend, but but whatever Ed paid me to go on that, you know, bought my plane ticket and bought, you know, and um, and, and so that got me to the place. And I figured, just get me there, you know, and I have a little bit of en- enough money to you know take care of shit while I'm there. Taxis, food, perfect. You know, the, whatever, get out in the mountains. That's all I wanted was just the opportunity to go be in the place. Yes. Just find something cool to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, um, and, and on the previous trip, you know, met some, some people and seen some photographs and that. And so that's how we ended up in the, in, in the, the that Yonkokota area. And, um, and 
you know, we get there and, and, and hire some people to come sort of manage base camp and, you know, use llamas to carry some stuff in that we couldn't, you know, carry in ourselves because we can't drive all the way in necessarily. And, uh, you know, drove in pretty close and then like it had to move and not even that far in this in this uh, area um, to drive like two Atlanta cruisers up as far as you possibly can. And then and then uh, kind of strike off a little, you know, a little bit of distance away. So you're not actually on the road and that kind of thing. And uh, so we set up a set up a base camp and had a, a, a guy who'd been in the area for a long time and had like. Knew, knew you know basically knew the area and took us in and, and um he was there to sort of manage base camp and we had another guy there who was you know a, a cook to look after us and make sure that there was a good experience for ed and betty while they were on a sort of guided trip and they didn't have to do anything other than you know to look after themselves and um and you know separate from the climbing this trip for me was like the one of the most powerful experiences i've ever had had nothing to do with climbing okay and kind of everything to do with human nature and and then ultimately fitness um and which was uh that one night we're all in the kitchen tent you know you have like a big tent set up and, and then the individual tents where you sleep so ed and betty had their tent to sleep and scott had his own tent and i had my own tent and stuff and he, you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere, so you don't, I mean, there's nothing to, you don't lock anything up. You don't think there's going to be potential loss of, you know, property, whatever. So, yeah. What are the animals going to steal my shit? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and if they did, then it was your fault. So, um, so we're in the kitchen tent, and, you know, dinner and this and that, it goes on for a little bit, some socializing and go back and then, and Ed says, motherfucker. And, you know, he's like, and, and cause he's, back in their tent and he realizes like a bunch you know first aid kit's gone his walkman's gone there's a camera missing there's a bunch of stuff and you know um and a bunch of money so uh and that just and that happened like 20 feet away from where we were while you're having dinner while we're having dinner okay and so and it's not like there's people out like walking no. around out there you're in the middle of nowhere you've gone away up this valley you had to take llamas you got to hike in yeah you're you're in the middle of this wilderness area there's nobody fucking out there there's generally nobody out there there yeah. there's a and there's one road in and out of this valley right okay. and so um so scott you know ed yells something scott and i go and we're like fuck you know anyway and 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 i just go scott this has happened within the last 30 minutes there's only one way out of this valley. We can catch them. We can catch them. Okay. So I don't, and I just like, I get a headlamp. And, and so it's dark out. It's dinner Oh, it's time. night. It's, it's night. And, night. And, and now and it's like 10 o'clock at night. And and they, so your, your buddy Ed, he's the only one missing anything. So yeah. They, they got into his tent. Yeah. And he's your client. Yeah. And so we're going to make good because, okay. you know, we're sort yeah. of, you know, semi-responsible, if you will. And you're fucking pissed off. And we're pissed. Yeah. Yeah. A, I'm pissed and B, yeah, mostly <laughs> yeah. I'm pissed. <laughs> so what do you, okay, so I want to know yeah. how you prepare for this. I didn't. Okay, do you, do you no grab an ice axe? No ice what tools? do you do? Yeah. Fucking, what do you do? No, Scott had this, he had this, I don't need a weapon. So <laughs> like, I, I just, because I can run, like, because I had in my head, I'm just like, all right, I remember hearing these stories of Native Americans just running deer until they die. Yeah. Of exhaustion. Yes. Yeah, it so, works after three days. Yeah, well, so I was down with that. So I was just like, I was just like, Scott, we can catch him, and and if 
you know, if we do this, if we do this right, we'll just run them till they're exhausted and they sit down, and, and, and then we don't even need to beat them. These guys are up. probably pretty damn fit because we're pretty fucking fit at this point. <laughs> so, I get a headlamp and I like tie a jacket or something around my waist, and I'm just like, "Let's fucking go!" And Scott goes, "Yeah, uh, I'm." He puts, you know, he puts, a, fills his camelback, puts that on. He grabs a bunch of gels, stuffs his pockets. And he's, he goes, he's the brains of the bunch. Fucking brains of the bunch at that point. <laughs> I'm acting on pure emotion. He's just like, man, this could, uh, who knows how long we're going to have to chase these motherfuckers. Mark, but, Mark just <laughs> popped it in fifth. Yeah. Just, <laughs> and Scott's like, let me check the gas. Yeah, exactly. Put a little more in the tank. Yeah. And, Is this topped off? Okay, we're good. Yeah. And we'll go. And so we're just like, okay, slow trot. You yeah. know, these, these guys don't know that anybody's chasing them. They're probably just walking still. Yep. So we, you know. We don't give them a reason to run. Don't give them a reason to run, but but go fast enough to be able to catch them over time, you know. And uh, so we start, and Ed and Ed's just like living. I'll come with you guys. I'm like, Ed. We got this. We got this. <laughs> We're going to be out of sight in five minutes, yeah. dude. It's just like, don't even think. And so we start going. Scott and I start going. And we're on this road we get on the dirt road that leads down out of the valley and we know how far the guys the people are in ahead of us because of the barking dogs you can hear dogs oh yeah because there's other so like further down the valley there's other so there's like little out you know yeah i get a little like huts and villagers and and herders and all that stuff is in peru and yeah you see these like little stone buildings and there's like shepherds that whatever exactly so whatever you know it's 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 a good time of year and so they're out so if it if it's seasonal work whatever they're but they're out there and so we hear the dogs bark and then we like start to you know look at the watch and then we hear the dogs bark when we go by and we're like okay they're five minutes ahead and then pretty soon they're like three minutes ahead and then pretty soon we're like fucking on top of them and we and there's these there's these uh and the road has been sort of paralleling this river pretty high and then um to, to get out of the valley and then it um and then it switchbacks down to, to cross the river. Wow. And there's like three or four switchbacks. And so we get to the top of these switchbacks and we look down and we can fucking see them and they're on foot. You see a headlamp or you see a light? No, no, or... just, just shadows. You see shadows. It's like enough light out and, and we have our headlamps off. We're just traveling by moonlight at this point. Dude, this is like a fucking Tony Scott movie. This is awesome. <laughs> and and so we get out to the, where the switchbacks start down and we, see, we can see them down below and we just like go, okay, we're going to cut the fucking switchbacks. And, and so we... Like, and this is so. This is this is probably an hour and a half, two hours in at this point that we've been chasing him, and uh, yeah, yeah, gone like fifteen k or something. Uh, um, it, it ends up, yeah, the, in the night it ends up being around. Well, if we want to go kilometers, ten ish. I see. T- well, no, t- total later. I mean, we went. We ended up going like twenty seven miles on foot that night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, what, however many yeah. K in, but we're too, I just by time. Cause it doesn't, that's all that matters. So we see him, we start cutting the switchbacks and we're trying to be quiet because we, they're, cause, and they're just on the road walking cause they're, you know, they're fixed on, on the, this is the, this is our way out. And, um, so we get down, we rejoin the road and we're like oh, fucking hundred yards behind these cocks. You're tasting blood. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so we st- Get that excited feeling in your stomach. I'm like, these motherfuckers are going down. Yeah, exactly. And but we, but we, what we realize so we get back on the road and we're like that. We're behind them and we go through this the this the, the, the stream at the bottom and we realize that like holy shit, let me the tra- the tracks coming out of this 
you know, gone through the water. The tracks coming out the other side of the stream were tire tracks from bicycles that they had apparently stashed. Oh, fuck. So, now you're chasing guys on bikes. And, the, and there's a slight uphill to get out of the river bottom on this dirt road. And we just fucking just like, if we don't get them by the time they, you know, if we can't catch them on this uphill, they're gone. They're gone. And so we're just fucking sprint. They see, uh, they, they hear the footsteps getting, we, you know, it's the moonlight and it's all like a little bit kind of furry and not exactly obvious. And we, we see like little faces turn back and then like, and they just fucking go for it. And they get over the top and we're just like charging as hard as we can, but it's, you know, we're like 15,000 feet or some shit yeah. at this point. And, uh, so, um, so we're not running as fast as they are riding. They get over the crest of this hill and the reason man invented the wheel becomes immediately <laughs> fucking obvious. <laughs> Later. And so and you're winded like, from having to run up this hill up and this, then they're, now they're getting a free ride. And they're getting a free ride. So they're yeah. gone. You know, and, and we're just like, fuck. Wow. Okay, well, they, okay, if they got here on bikes, they're not going that far. They live somewhere down here. We'll just keep doing what we're doing and we'll just listen to the dogs barking and eventually we're going to fucking find them. And so we, so we're going down uh, the, you know, we're, we're keeping walking on the road. We're not jogging anymore. We're just walking because now we're, you know, all right, we don't know how long this is going to go on. At least Scott's got some water and got some gels. And so we're pretty convinced we can go for a while as long as we keep the pace, you know, dialed down. And so at some point we're going along the road and then there's and this this kid that we've met before on the way in um, is walking up the road. We're like, hey. Do you see other people, you know, pigeon, whatever, mm -hmm. like, you know, some way of communicating um, you know, have you seen some other people? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, some guys went by <laughs> and si, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, we're like, well, do you know where they, you know. Those hombres, yeah. Those, yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you know where they live? And so, kid speaks enough English, whatever, like we communicate, and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so we walk another, like, two or three miles. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Exactly. <laughs> we got and, you, and, and so we, And then we found this, and, and like, this is the house. Good, you're stationary. Exactly. So it's still dark. Oh, it's still dark. Okay. It's still night. Stone hut, whatever. So we creep up on this fucking house. <laughs> I know this story. Because we're, no. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a slightly different story than the one you know. <laughs> uh, at least we hoped so. Yes. Um, so we creep up on this house and we're like, we're listening and you don't see bikes or anything. Don't see any bikes, you know, no fresh footprints or whatever. So we're a little bit, you know, kind of concerned, but we circumnavigate the house and we're listening and this and that. And we're like, well, fuck if they're in there, you know, and then, then they're, then they're asleep and they think they're safe, but we're here. We're fucking going in best time ever. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just like so funny. Like, so we kick, kick down the front door to go in and it's abandoned. There's no one in there. It's like three rooms inside the stone hut, little rooms, and there's no one around. And obviously, no one has been there for a long fucking time. I, but but I want to know, outside that door before you kick it in, <laughs> what's the dialogue between you and Scott like? Is Scott like, we all don't know, or, or, or are you... Like, are you both just like, let's get these motherfuckers? Are you both super aggro about it? Well... Or is somebody more cautious? What's going on? So we're not... So we're... 
we're deep enough into the chase that the aggro is gone. Okay. Okay. Right? Like get a little tired yeah. and the aggro yep. goes away. But yep. we still got to solve the problem. Yes. And got to get our ship back. We got Yeah. Because, you know, he lost a thousand dollars in cash and the first aid kit. And, you know, we're kind of, we were counting on, you know, at least on the first aid kit potentially being there. Well, you know, a bunch of stuff. And, and, uh, plus it's like we started, you know, whatever this challenge is, we started it and we're going to try and see it through. <laughs> okay. and, and, uh, and, so, but we weren't concerned about weapons or anything like that. It's just like one, you know, the door goes down and one guy goes through the other guy, you know, take a beat or two and then come. Um, and that's all we talked about was just like, let's not both go through the door just in case, you know, let's have something in reserve. We go in and it's completely abandoned and okay. nobody had been there. Obviously it was like a seasonal shepherds kind of thing and they weren't there. And, uh, damn it. Dry hole. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so we come out and we're like, ah, shit. And, um, next house. Yeah. But, we, but that, that's, <laughs> and, uh, and the kid that was there with us, that kind of just, he's like, oh, you know, kind of shrugs his shoulders and then, you know, gives the symbol like he's going to go to sleep or something. And this, yeah, and I totally know the story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he splits to go wherever he goes and I don't know where the fucker lives, you know? And, and so, and then Scott and I were like, oh, well, we're really far from where we started now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, uh, this is a total bust. We had like thrown all the, you know, instead of chasing on the road and following the tracks, we followed the guy. So now we can't, you know, now we're off in a different place and you can't like, backtrack and find the tracks for the bikes or whatever. And we potentially could, but yeah. you know, energy is waning at this point. Yes. And, we're, and uh, so, and, and by that point we've probably done like 15 miles on foot. Okay. And, we think, okay, if we go back this way, if we just follow the river back up, it's, we're going to hit those switchbacks and then we're going to get on the road and then we're going to get back. And this is probably a short, it's shorter distance. So maybe we can like get back in like 13 miles or maybe 12, okay, whatever it is. And, um, and so we just start and we just like face uphill and start fucking walking and it's cold. And every time, you know, we'd like get really tired and sit down and you sit down in the dark until you start shivering and then have to, you know, get up and move to stay warm. Yeah. And so that was the process over and over and over. And we drank all Scott's water. We went through all the gels and eventually we get, you know, we get the sun's coming up and we get back to camp and it's been like 27 or 28 miles. And, uh, and so we go to sleep and, um, and it was, so the sun was just coming up. So it's like five, five thirty in the morning. So we go to sleep and then at 10 in the morning, the cook, you know, comes, he's like, Hey, Mark, 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 come out, come out. So we go out and, um, and there's kind of a ruckus and I'm like, Whoa, what's going on here? And so, um, uh, it, it, and I can't remember Francisco, I think was the name, was the name of our cook. And he's like, do you have some rope? I'm like, um, yeah, yeah. Got here. I got some accessory and seven mil accessory cord or whatever, you know, for making a ball of cobs or something like that. And so I hand him like, you know, 30 or 40 feet of seven mil and, he comes back and he goes, oh, okay, you come now. And so we go over to buy the kitchen tent. And in the field, there's this kid tied up on the ground. He's got, you know, trussed up, like hogtied, you know, kid, basically. Like, what do you mean by kid? Like, he's the, it turns out, he's teenager. the. Teenager? Yeah, teenager. Teenager. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Like 16, 17, something 16, like that. 16, 17. Yeah, um, okay. And he's the son of the guy who's walked us into the valley okay who's basically you know what would in Nepal would be like the Sirdar yep um there but he's just our local contact and he's yep. a, um and so it turns out that kid's son and it's the kid who met us on the road and took us to the dry hole the night before 
Wow. Mm. This sounds fishy. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, wow, that's really wild. Um, what a coincidence. What the fuck? What, what's going on? And so various things, is, you know, the dad goes home, you know, he like gets up in the morning because he's not, they're not exactly staying with us. You know, they're there to help us out and then they go back down to their little, you know, family thing. So he goes, get, get, got home in the, uh, in, in the morning or it was there, the son came home, however it happened, goes into the kid's bedroom and finds the Walkman. He's like, what the fuck? Where did this come from? Yeah. It's only one place it could have come from. Exactly. So they bring him back up and, and the dad is begging us like, don't call the police. Because if you call the police, my son, you know, he'll die. My son will get killed. He might. Yeah. 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 He'd go into prison. He wouldn't hear, he wouldn't have a hearing for like two years and maybe he would survive those two years. Maybe he wouldn't. And then maybe he'd be guilty and maybe he wouldn't, you know, uh, however it happened. And so he's just like, let us just, let us just yeah. handle this. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. Yeah. So, so did you get everything back, like the money and the first aid kit? Oh, are we there yet? We're not there yet. Okay. Okay. So you so, just got these these kids. So there's a, so there's one kid who's tied up, mm-hmm. and the dad's questioning him, and I'm just like, all right, this must have looked like, hilarious. Oh, dude, I have all the pictures from from the day because that's what I was doing at the time. I was shooting pictures for a living. So I'm just like, okay, I'm going to document this whole fucking story. And so the the dad asked for some more rope, and I'm like, I don't know what this is for, but so I give him some more, and he turns it into a whip. It worked last time. And he starts beating his, his son. And he's fucking, and it's something, you know, the, and he's whipping him and the kid's crying and screaming. And he's not giving up his accomplices and he's not giving up his accomplices. And the dad's just like getting more and more serious. And he starts hitting him. Then he starts kicking him. The kid's tied up on the ground. And then we stopped him because it looked like he was starting to like, the kid's lying down. He's starting to smash the kid's femur with his, with his feet. And I'm just like, okay, that's like. Okay, if something bad happens there, I know how that hurts, and you can convince somebody to say just about anything. Um, yeah. But that could be a really bad situation that we can't. Like, I don't want to be responsible for. Yeah, you that. don't want to be privy to that. You don't want to be part of it in any We're way. We're already responsible yeah. for bringing, like, in a way, for bringing the temptation into the valley. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Right? Like, we come in with way more wealth than they've ever seen. Yeah, you, the rich people from. Yeah. Yeah. And so I totally get it. I'm just like, I would, you know, if I was in that kid's position, I'd try and know get some so um they uh the kid you know like gives up the names the dad and our cook they go all right uh they leave the kid trussed up outside the tent and uh (laughs) you stay here yeah basically (laughs) exactly and they're just like don't untie him you know he he made his bed, you know, whatever. Wow. And so they just, they say, okay, we know where the other kid is and, uh, we're going to go get him. All right. So we're hanging out there for the kind of, uh, for several hours. And this kid is just lying there in the fucking dirt. Crying. Up, crying. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we go over and check on him we give him some water every now and then, but it's just like, you know, and, and I could, and Scott and I are having this conversation. He, he's just, at some point when the torture started, he left. He's like, I can't be part of this. I can't watch this. Yeah. Like Scott, we're part of it already, you know? And, and Ed's there. He's just like, I'm responsible. I brought the stuff. So he's there like having the whole experience. And Scott's just like, I don't want this on the hard drive essentially. And, um, so at some point, uh, um, 
he and I start talking and we like, okay, okay, we're not going to untie the kid. We, we can't stop. This. Like we can't intervene. We can't impose our Western values. This is how this is going to get solved in this small village situation. And it has to get solved. Cause without- the, the dad is basically trying to save his son from prison and he's willing to beat the shit out of him to keep him from going to prison. Yes. He's trying to make an example. So you guys don't turn him into the cops. That's probably what's going through his head. Oh yeah. So that's his imperative. And our imperative is just like, well, this is, fucking torture and we can't be part of this but then it's like our values versus the local values and probably the best outcome is to let this happen yep so that there can be peace in their community as well because they have to live with it also and if he doesn't get and and if dad doesn't get it solved then the valley's going to get a shit reputation no more tourists are going to come no more you know no more high paying Americans no more so that he can haul their shit up the valley and yeah. make some money. Exactly. So, so we're just like, okay, we got to let it happen. But we go and we loosen the ropes because his hands are kind of turning blue and shit like that. And so um, <laughs> give him some water. It's like, you're still tied up, dude, but at least you're, you know, this is not, it's not as bad as it was. And, uh, and then it becomes night and it gets really cold and we can't just leave him out there. So we bring him into the kitchen tent and, um, and then eventually there's noise and, you know, the, the, the dad and a couple of, uh, and, and mother, and then a couple of other adults come back with this, you know, the other kid. And, um, so, so we sit all, all sit down in the kitchen tent and there's this kind of weird tribunal. Like it's like, where's the, you know, and he's beating them, you know, slapping them if they're not getting the right answers. And. Like it was, it was hardcore. It was super hard to just sit there and not say stop. It what like on a scale of one to ten, how violent was he? How how hard was he beating him? What did that feel like for you? I mean, teeth weren't coming out of his mouth. Okay, you know, but he's getting hit and he's getting kicked, and you know, he's not getting choked out or something like that mm-hmm. or whatever. But it was it was a bit more immediate violence than I'd been exposed to i guess okay okay um and especially with the intent because the dad was super livid he's like you know the kind of whole deal you know you brought shame to our family and our fucking region and um so they give up all of the you know basically everything everything came back okay um okay maybe minus a few banknotes or whatever you know Mm -hmm. but virtually everything came back and at that point by that point you know it's like two or three in the morning and we're fucking exhausted we've been out all night the night before we'd only gotten a few hours of sleep before the shit kicked off the, that morning emotionally drained emotionally drained and ed's just like whoa whoa i'm fine i'm fine this is good i'm okay we're like just make, make it, it stop, stop. <laughs> wow and and so this um and, and so it stopped I mean, the, you know, we, everything got resolved. Everything got returned. You know, we're shake hands. We hug and this and that. The adults take the kids and leave. The dad stays with us and, our, and, and the cook and everything. And we all just fucking pass out. And, uh, um, and then, you know, we're just like, okay. And now Ed doesn't, you know, as a client, is just like the next, <laughs> next day, you know, after we sleep and eat and stuff and we're having a conversation and he's just like, I think I've had enough. 
He basically took his stoke. He just doesn't want to climb anymore. He's like, fuck this. I just want to go home. Fuck this. I was on vacation. But it wasn't even, it took his stoke. It, it was the, you know, it was the intense experience. I mean, it basically were, you know, he was looking for one intense experience, had another. Yeah. And it was enough. It's it, it just sapped his batteries. He was done. Oh fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And so I made him, I was just like, dude, okay, we're not going to go climb one of the big things. That's totally fine, but there's a root, you know, this frozen waterfall that Scott and I saw. We can go, you know, make the first ascent of that or whatever. And so, um, that day, you know, later that I, I guess we had a rest day, full rest day or whatever. And then Ed and I go out and we do this. It's like a four pitch frozen waterfall and up some peak and and it, a pretty low peak. And it, it was hardest pitch was like grade four or something. So it wasn't that it wasn't yeah. that hard. Like, let's salvage this. A bit. Let's have an experience. A, a bit. Yeah. And, and and I said, and, and, give and him Ed, something. If we get, if we go climb a new route together, you get to name it. And so we went and did this thing, and it wasn't, you know, what he that wasn't the experience he was after. But that had been, like I said, it had been replaced. We get down, and I'm like, all right, so it's on you. What are you going to call it? And he goes, I'm calling this route Judgment Day. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right, that's uh, that that's that that works, and. So, uh, so we do that, and 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 everybody, we're just emotionally completely shattered, and so we you all. You and Scott as well. Just, oh, oh yeah. You guys it, are. I mean, are you wanting to leave too, or are you like, how are you feeling? No, we wanted to go out to La Paz for a little bit, yeah. recharge, and then go back in. Okay. And we had, okay. and that had been the kind of the plan already. Yanko Kota first, and then he and I were going to go back to the Iliampu uh, Pico del Norte area. Um, so we we would have had to go back out to La Paz. Anyway, so he and I go out to La Paz. We, you know, probably eat. You know, I, I would say we'd celebrate a little bit in this, in the sense that you know we ate whatever, and uh, both of us got really sick. <laughs> and um, and so uh, we're. De- I, I realized like, okay, I've stayed in this hotel before, and this, and we're gonna check into the you know, there's like the Radisson or whatever. It's like one of the nicer hotels in La Paz. And I'm just like, I need, I, you know, if we're gonna be sick for three or four days here, I need it to be not in a, the, the, the normal place we would stay on a low budget Yeah, not trip. the budget place, yeah. yeah. The budget place. So we check in and it's still not that expensive. Um, and so the next day, uh, you know, we explore the idea of the four-star hotel in the third world, which uh, to me is like, if I can sit on the toilet and puke into the bathtub at the same time. That's four stars. That's all you need. Yeah, if there was just like room service at the same time, it'd be five stars. But you know, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so we 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 stayed till we get relatively healthy. And by this point, you know, we've done this all night run. You know, we've done we've been at altitude for a long time, which affects the appetite a little bit. And and I'm just shredded as fuck at this point. I'm like probably down to 3% body fat and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and just needing to eat all the time just in order to be able to keep moving. Perfect time to get sick and dehydrated. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm super lightweight. So my power to weight ratio is through the know, roof. Through the roof <laughs> at this point. So we get in the van and we drive out to Serata, um, which is a, 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 a village on one side of Iliampu. And then you keep going up to, into the cook, I think the Cocoyo Valley. Um, and, and from there, it's like a two-day approach with llamas in the whole nine yards to get into the zone where Pico, where we could get to the side of Iliampu and Pico del Norte that we wanted to see. 
and uh takes a couple days to get in there and um we set up our camp we basically got like a you know a limited amount of time so we're acclimatized to 15,000 feet. We're going to try and go to 20 or 21, depending on which peak we try. We need a little bit more acclimatization. So we're kind of cruising around. And I was feeling super fit and more acclimatized than Scott. I soloed Yonko Pedi. I soloed another thing, another smaller peak. And we're just, you know, we're just kind of waiting for the acclimatization, for the stoke to come back, for, you know, the right weather window. And so... Scott and I come good and ambitious. We've got the objective figured out that we're going to try and do um, on, on uh, Ilyampu, and, uh, and and the weather turns bad. It starts snowing. And it snows. So we're like stuck at base camp three, four days. And we're just watching our window close for getting anything done. And, um, and, and it snows enough to make the approach back to the mountains super fucking complicated like to get above base camp and stuff because it's enough like okay you get these talus these giant boulder fields right and you can't see under the snow exactly it's ankle breaker right and yeah. you, you want to hike up some scree field but it's more and it's, and it's a bit more than that yeah. in the sense that it's like you know the term elephant trap came to mind like, okay this is more than breaking your ankle. this is like falling in a break and like a you know and so this, there's enough new snow to hide everything but that snow isn't deep enough or consolidated enough to support weight. Yeah. And so now it's like knee deep and then it's thigh deep and then it's waist deep and we're just trying to, you know. And um, so we, when the weather comes good after the storm clears and we're just like, fuck, we don't have that much time. You know, we gotta go, we gotta go try something. And so we, we managed to wade up to the Cirque below Iliampu and Pico del Norte and, um, and and then it's just like fuck the, the go the going which is that destroyed us to get up there carrying our packs and all of our technical climbing gear and shit like that, and um, so we sit. Well, it's physically and emotionally draining with that kind of snow. Oh, just and, and like fucking frustrating. Yeah, because you can't move. Like you get okay, I could see it, and I can't fucking yeah. get there. Extra drain. Yeah, and so we we spend a day after you know just we're just like okay the weather feels you know barometric pressure looks good. Spend a day just resting. We realized like, okay, we can't go up on a route that's going to take us two days because we got to be back down in base camp day after tomorrow. And so okay. we're like, okay, fuck it. We can probably do something on Pico del Norte. And, uh, and so, so after the rest day, the next day we got up, you know, uh, as you know, we don't Alpine start, you know, the sun's got to come up. It's got to get the tent warm, you know, comfortable plus we're fast so you know you can whatever start, you can start late yeah okay <laughs> yeah exactly which usually doesn't turn out never does never <laughs> does yeah yeah so it wasn't quite fuck that, it that's but why it, i threw it out there. but it was more like fuck this <laughs> yeah um fuck that and so we scoped we saw a line on uh on pico del norte and we're just like okay let's go let's see if we can like get up this ice fall between these two peaks and get into that basin and climb that thing maybe and then try and find a way down and so we're like, well, what should we take? I'm like, well, fuck it. Let's not, let's not, let's not to do anything. You know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to put my, you know, I'm going to take the leg loops off my harness. I'm just going to wear a swami belt so I can have a, you know, place to stash the one ice ax that I'm going to take. And I'm going to put some gels in my pocket and I'm going to got a, like a, 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 like a, a half liter water bottle. I'm going to put some water in that. I'm going to put that in the other pocket and we're just going to fucking go. So it was like one ski pole, one ice ax and we go hyperspeed. Yeah. 
So and it's it's not too st- like you think there's not going to be steep ice climbing. You can get up this thing with just one tool and yeah, we th- yeah. we think and that's and that's going to be the thing. Like the 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 the, the technology that we have with us is going to dictate the route that we ultimately do. Copy. And we think you know we're pretty good at this point in our careers of like seeing something and knowing what's you know how hard it's going to be. Yep. Yeah. Like that. Like like that thing will take these items. Yeah. And if it takes more, we'll just turn around. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, well, yeah. Or we'll, you know, switch lines yeah, or, yeah. you know, whatever. So, so we, you know, across the glacier, we find our way, we get up through this ice fall and we get into the basin where we're going to go. We walk over to the bottom of this gully that cuts through these rock bands and we start climbing up and it never is so hard that it's not possible to do. And so in just over four hours from our high camp, we're on top of Pico de Norte, um, and, uh, realizing we don't know how to get, we can't reverse what we did cause it's kind of too hard. And so. I guess we need to oops go down that way and see what happens, <laughs> and so a combination of down climbing and and, and you know some facing in some facing out because it's a bit more technical. We are able to climb down so north it, it would be the west ridge I guess of Pico de Norte to to a saddle between it and another peak, and then we drop down back into the basin where the halfway point sort of where we rejoined our tracks get out to our camp and by the time we get to where you know this little advanced base camp or whatever you call it where we got a tent set up and all left all the heavy shit we get there and we're just like well we got to keep fucking going and uh and so um and we've got no way to communicate we're already a bit late but we want to somehow you know we get down the the snow-covered talus and we get into the this like stuff that south america is kind of like peru and and the high mountains in Bolivia and that kind of thing are, you know, the, the approaches are, are, are known for which is like these, these really steep slopes of grass and brush, yeah. like not enough brush that you can like not thick enough brush where you could grab it and hold on to it. Cause if you grab it and you wait, it pulls out or whatever. And these thick grass hummocks <laughs> yeah. where you could like break an ankle in between where the water course is eroded away and like just really sort of in kind of interesting nothing at altitude has roots yeah exactly <laughs> i'm nice yeah and so we get so we're we're down to the point where we're in this like the steep grass zone and we're just like well fuck we should we can't communicate they can probably see where we are so maybe we should just start a fire whoa <laughs> to like a signal fire to okay. let them know that we're okay and we're on the way like i don't know how they would you know interpret determine that. interpret that but so we get the lighter out. We got a little white gas left in the stove. We pour it on the ground. We like start this little fire and we try and make it bigger. And then we're like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Too big. Oh, fuck. And, and the whole fucking slope that we're on above us, there's just enough wind. And we start this gigantic fucking brush fire. Holy shit. Well, I hope nobody's above us. Wait, yeah. Well, for sure we knew that. And it's just going to burn up to the, you know, the, the ta- you know, the, the, the vegetation line yeah oh yeah yeah to get up it's just uh, grass right it's, it's just dry grass, grass. It's burn up to a certain yeah. point and then burn out because there's like rocks and snow and that's all left and all the fuel is gone so um <laughs> so we start this fire we're like oh jesus christ and then we like somehow over the course of the next four hours we you know we, we roll back into camp like at three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning get two hours of sleep but that's wake and we wake up at six in the morning it's because our you know the llamas have come okay to move shit out your porters are hauling t- your shit out yeah they're like so we gotta you know strike that whole base camp and like get up and st- start moving and 
the plan is like, okay, it took us two days to get in here. We're going to go out in one day because that's the timeline and it's downhill. So it'll be fine. And everyone's acclimatized and the llamas can handle. They brought enough llamas and we had eaten enough. So the loads were pretty light. And so we get all the way back out to the roadhead uh, later that day. Um, not so late that we can't get in the van and, you know, drive down to Serrata where it's night. We spend a night in Serrata. The next day we take the six hour drive or whatever it is back to La Paz and, and the road from Serrata to La Paz. I don't know what it's like now, but it is fucking terrifying. You know, it's switchbacks. It's high mountain. It's like one of those dirt roads cut into the fucking right side through of a, a valley. And it's just freaking steep, steep yeah. hillsides and the, stuff. Like if the bus goes off the road, the, you know, the single lane mountain roads that are made for motorcycles that buses cross next to each other. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like this thing. So we're <laughs> like, you know, it's like total white knuckle yep. shit for the whole you ride. Close back. your eyes yep. and wake up when you get there. Just, I'm not hopefully. Here. Yeah. You know, or wake up when you got to pee or whatever. And we, so we, we, they drive us back and we take us to, you know, the, we're, okay, we're going to stay at the Radisson again. Cause we're only here for like a, a night or you know, max before we got to fly out because the plane fucking flights the following day. So we get to La Paz and they're like, oh, this is great. It's the fucking, it's the, it's the centennial celebration. And so it's the 100 year anniversary of the founding of the city of La Paz. And we roll in and Scott and I now have not had enough sleep for a, for a while. And so we're hyper impressionable. And it's, and it's parades through the street oh, and that whole parades. South America shit. Yeah. Oh, no, it's fucking lo- it's on. It's not like a parade down Main Street. It's a parade in every alley. You like know, it's wherever the carnival, you know, just everything, everything. Yeah, it, it is. It is on. So I'm just like, Scott, we got to. We should take some LSD. Of course. We, we got a party. We got a party. Because they're, they're partying and we're here. And so we should too. So we drop acid. And that's just and in the kit. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the first aid kit. That's yeah. one of the reasons we didn't want the first well, aid kit to get stolen. I mean, it's like, don't <laughs> give the kids the LSD. Are you kidding me? It's not like it, it's not like it weighs anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's always... Well, you know, so 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 we drop and we st- and we start walking around the pause. And, and it's just like... And... and there's a photographic record, and maybe it'll be a zine at some point because it's 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 pretty amazing. I um, hope so. Because there's this like, oh, we found this dude living in a dumpster, and so we <laughs> shot some pictures of him, and he came out, and we talked to him for a little bit, as you know, as as we you know, in pigeon whatever. Oh, we need and, to see these pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that guy. There's like just walking, you know, all of these crazy celebrations and stuff, and then we're. And we're just, I'm just walking around, like trying to, I don't want to go to the main square because that's where all the tourists would be and that shit. We're going to find the, like, this, we need to find the inner city. The authentic cool shit, the back alley stuff. Find some real, some real celebration. Yes. The the real, or the people who aren't celebrating because life is too fucked. And, um, and, and so we, and and Scott has this, uh, um, so anyway, we're walking around. And we're in this this zone of just like little Warren like alleyways and this and that and and one of the kind of funny things that Scott um, where Scott and I really connected in the beginning was um, th- there's a uh, a skinny puppy track called um, Stairs and Flowers and in it there's some sampling of some stuff and one of the samples is is, is do you hear that that music that there's a band. And so we're walking around and I'm hearing music and I'm just like, I'm just high because it must be what it is. And so Scott looks at me and he's like, do you hear that? <laughs> that band. And I'm like, 
Okay, I hear it. Yes, I do. I didn't want to say because I thought it might just be a hallucination. But <laughs> yes, I hear it. We need to go find this because it's it's fucking metal. And so we like follow our ears like down through these alleyways. We find a building and like we know the sound is coming from inside this building. And we're like, do we just go in? Like, that's, I don't know what the fuck to do. That South America and, metal is hardcore, dude. Oh, no, it was me. And, and but and they were playing cover. You know, it's like so they're playing Metallica or something. And so something we kind of recognize. And um, and I'm just like, fuck it. Let's just go. You know, let's just go in. Open the door. We walk in this building. We get down these hallways and then. Um, the, the, and we find the room where the music is coming from and, and, uh, and, and the music kind of stops. Like we roll up and, you know, walk up and, and, and the music stops, not that they could see out or anything, but they were just done with the song. And so we knock on the door in the silence and these guys open it. And, you know, we've got over standing there's like two white dudes, you know, fucking pupils, the you know, size of swimming pools and, and, you know, with a couple of cameras and stuff. And we're like, Hey, you guys play metal and so like they invite us in these young kids and the 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 walls of their little room are covered with posters it's you know it's anthrax it's metallica it's slayer it's like megadeth it's like all that shit perfect and and they're just making you know they're doing they're, they're learning songs by listening to the you know on their headphones and then trying to mimic it so that's how they're doing their covers and because there's no YouTube at this point, there's no you can't like get online or whatever. And yes. and so they would hear it and then they would try and mimic it and play it. And um, and they had a couple of original songs, too. And we hung out with them for a little bit. I snapped a couple of photos and um, and then we left and we're then we're back out in the streets. We was like, that was fucking amazing. We just <laughs> found Bolivia's only heavy, heavy metal band. It was so fucking great. And we walk around. We take some more pictures. The sun's starting to go down. And we're like, ah, oh, fuck, we got to go back to the hotel and pack. Because the plane's tomorrow, you know, you gotta like get all our shit and maybe wash or something because we're pretty stinky at this point. And uh, so we go back to the hotel, um, walk back there, and we go in and like, and, and, and there's some big thing happening. And there's people walking around, they're like dressed up, suits and ties, and these women are like elegantly dressed and this and that. And so we ask some guy at the, at the front desk, we're like, what's going on? And he goes, oh, it, it, is, it is an alpaca fashion show. I'm Perfect like, alpaca fashion show. So I'm <laughs> thinking this is like llamas that are groomed like a dog show, right? Because you're like, still on acid. You're, you're like still fucking high, like like <laughs> Westminster, but 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 with, with llamas? llamas. Yeah. And the guy goes, no, 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 no. The clothes they're all made from alpaca. I'm like, oh, okay. So he goes, no, come here, come here, come here. And so we but so we walk through, but there's a couple of llamas in the fucking hotel like as part of the installation, like the, the whole show. But we, they take us into this, this big auditorium and there's a fucking runway with models walking along this runway and, you know, exhibiting the clothes. And there's people and, the, you know, it's, it's not quite black tie, but it's close. There's people that are having cocktails or sitting at these tables along this fucking runway. And Scott and I are super fucking high. And, I'm, and my hair is really long at this point and, you know, tied back in a ponytail. And I've got this fucking massive Nikon with this huge piece of glass on the front of it. And and Cl- so the clothes are probably super you're colorful. Probably a little grungy too. You're probably a little smelly, and I, it doesn't matter yeah. because it's like a long hair with a big ass camera. Okay, like and so he's some euro. He's going to make me famous, and these oh shit. So I go to the end of the runway, and there's a guy there with a different camera, and he sees me come up, and it's just immediately like, 
you know, totally emasculated because mine's bigger. Wow. And so I've got this fucking motor drive on the bottom of the camera and this, you know, like pockets full of film and shit. And so I stand at the end of the runway and these models just start working it. They're just like, it, pro it, as fuck. it is it. Cause I look like a pro and I'm, and and I'm just blazing like this is the most amazing thing ever. And these girls are coming and they're smiling and they're like they got the little pout going and they're doing all the, and and I'm just like and so I've got a sheet of fucking slides from this night of the alpaca fashion show. That's <laughs> just high as fuck. I'm just you going like gotta do a zine of this. This, this is, is amazing. <laughs> this, this night and. So then the show ends and we're just like, oh man. And we're, you know, we're coming, we're coasting in at this point. And, uh, um, and, and, and so, uh, the show ends, we shake hands with the, the, the other photographers. We meet some of the models, you know, with hug and this and that. And it's super nice. And, you know, I don't know in, in this day and age, you'd get someone's phone number and text them some pictures or, you know, you'd send email them some stuff. It wasn't like that back then. It's just like, okay, now your old dude disappears and you know, whatever. So, we go up to the room and we start packing and we t- Scott turns on the TV and um, and so we're there we're p- trying to pack our bags and you know get out of there and he turns on the TV and Schindler's List is on I've never seen it so um, if you're familiar with the movie it's all black and white yeah, it's rolling oh, yeah. and so and we're uh, and, and we're packing and this and that and I'm kind of watching the movie and, um, and, and, and not watching the movie because I got to pay attention and some, so at some point I look over the screen and the little red dress goes through <laughs> Right, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'm just high, whatever. And Scott goes, yes, you saw that. That's in the movie. Because <laughs> he kind of looked at my, I was just like, I'm not even going to ask. It's like hearing the music before, I'm just not going to ask. Yeah, like, like, like he could see the self-talk in your head, like, yes. no, no, it's another hallucination, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh, just going to so keep packing. <laughs> Everything no, is fine. <laughs> that's totally real. No, no, no. That, that, no, Mark, that was real. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know if I feel good about that. Exactly. I don't know how to feel about that. But it's like a heavy movie to kind of end the... Uh, yeah. To end the day. So we get all packed. We go to sleep. Next morning, wake up, get the cab, go, get, you know, get up, you know, uh, to the airport, get on the planes. Um, we we f- take the same flight to Miami. Then he goes back to Minneapolis and I go to Salt Lake. So I land here in Salt Lake um, and Lisa picks me up. She's driven over from Boulder. And uh, picks me up, and directly from the airport, she takes me to the Zephyr, which is, doesn't exist here anymore. But uh, I was it was a, it was a tavern live music venue. So we she take from the airport, she takes me to see a Buzzcocks reunion show. Perfect. So Devoto, Pete Shelley. I mean, it was, and it was fucking outstanding. Like I just roll in. Okay, I'm still super tired. Because now I haven't slept for a really long fucking time. So I go into the show and I know the words to every fucking song and it was fantastic. And yeah, they're a little bit older, but the energy was still really amazing. And, uh, and, and so I have a great time. I don't know what the fuck Scott's doing. It doesn't matter. And, she go, and then she said, okay, so I brought all your, your – uh, there's, a, there's a pistol match tomorrow. I brought all your stuff from Boulder. Do you want to go shoot it? Because Davey's – her brother's going to shoot. And I'm just like – yeah, sounds totally normal. This is the co- most completely normal 72 hours of anyone's fucking life. <laughs> do, do this new route on this peak, drive to La Paz, drop acid, have a party, like go to fil- photograph the fashion show, get a bit of sleep, get on a plane, fly back to, you know, to the States, get off the plane, go to a fucking punk rock show, get some more sleep, wake up and shoot a practical pistol match. 
you haven't lived a boring life, Mark Twain. <laughs> which is which is exactly what I do. I probably don't shoot that well, but it doesn't matter just because I'm just like, I need to stack as much weird sh- weird shit that doesn't belong together into as short a time as possible just so that I can probably tell the story to Ben Staley and Trevor Thompson 20 fucking years from now. <laughs> Mission accomplished, man. That was awesome. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Wow. And and like for for me, you know, the Bolivian experience, I didn't I I uh yeah, I haven't been back since, but I, you know, took those different trips on but I I look back at, you know, and via photographs, which it, you know, so of that trip, I've got um, you know, shots from I mean, you know, a, a, an acclimatization, a new route that Scott and I climbed, a, a rock climb that he and I did to acclimatize when we were still in Yonkokoda. Um, the, all the pictures of the torture session and stuff like that, which later got you know, uh, Blue Water actually published one of those pictures in one of their catalogs. It was Blue Water cord yeah. that this kid was tied up with, yeah, and getting whipped with. And the shitstorm that came from that was a, it was outstanding. Who got, wow. who got Pe- fired for that one? Nobody got fired in the end, but it's like some Ooh. people, you know, wrote to the company and I was like, how can you advocate? To- how can you? How can you use images of torture to sell your product? They're like, no, 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 no. We didn't pay to have it happen. We just paid for the picture. And maybe not even <laughs> that. Maybe they, you know, they might have paid me something for the photo or whatever. But it doesn't. But. It, you know, and I had to write a long thing. They were like, hey, Mark, can you handle this? I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck those people. That's yeah. what I do. I handle I shit. <laughs> I can, I can, because like, why didn't you intervene? Why were you taking pictures and all this? And I wrote like a long treatise, which I still have on my computer. I can probably, um, you know, if, if, if we do make a Bolivia issue or something of the zine, um, there'll be, there'll be that. Cause it wasn't even, it wasn't a justification. It's just an explanation. It's like, look, this is what happened. This is, we were there. This is a documentation. Yeah. It might be a little bit shitty to, um, to, 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 you know, traffic this for commercial purposes, but the, but th- there was a story that went with it in the, in the catalog. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's the real thing. It's like, you go to these places you know, other cultures, you can try and impose your fucking white Western bullshit values into that situation, or you can let them live their lives. You know, yeah, we caused the situation in a sense by bringing the temptation into the, you know, destitute yeah. area. Maybe, or maybe that kid would have stolen a llama. It, uh, probably not. Cause that's, yeah. you know, you know, but, yeah. but, but, it, it, and, and, and I feel like, okay, we let this happen, and you look at this, you see the one photograph, and you see torture, and that's horrible. But I know that that torture prevented that kid from going to jail for two years and possibly getting killed. And maybe, so I'm good Maybe with he it. never committed another crime, too. Exactly. Yeah, it might have been, you know, the it, that might have been the, 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 the switch. burned hand teaches best yeah. kind of deal. It's like, we're going to put your hands in the fire, and you're never going to fucking, you know... Now you know how Light hot it is. Fire. Yeah, or, or, or whatever it was. But so, you know, r- r- telling these people, like, look, this looks absolutely terrible to our consciousness, you know, to, to what we value. But the, but the, 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 the reality is this is 30% of the potential, right? Yeah, he's tied up. Yeah, he's thrown behind the tent and told, and we're told to just leave him there till we get back, you know? The, like, and all of this stuff goes down but it is 
essentially to keep this kid from dying. So I'm pretty good with it. Absolutely. It's like um, if you watch uh, old Star Trek, you know, they have this thing, the prime directive oh, where yeah. you don't you don't interfere with these other cultures. Yeah. And you kind of showed up and, and that maybe that might have, you know, added some ingredients into the soup. But I, I mean, I, I think you, that's the choice, right? You have to back off and let them deal with it. Yeah. Instead of enforce your own morals and your own values. Because they also you know. have to live together. Like it has to be yeah. good in the village. It's just like, you know, the, the adults have to you know, deal with it in a way so that they can still coexist. And, and, yeah, and he's, no he's not just beating the kid and then yeah. leaving. That's and, his yeah. child. It's his they child. live together. No yes. bones about it. Yeah. You're not going to stand by and let the kid get killed or something. But yeah. you're, you know, you're there, there is a line. You did intervene. Yeah. Yeah. There is a line in the sand that they didn't cross. Like if we, okay, we don't, we need to keep this out of like a trauma situation. Yeah. Please don't yeah. break yeah. him. Yeah. 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 Don't do something that we, you know, need to fix our limited first yeah. aid kit can, you know, cause and out, out there, you know, there's okay. There's no medical attention. There's no, nothing. If you go too far, then, then it is, you know, a death yeah. sentence, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tough spot to be in, man. It was, that's a, that's a roller coaster ride right there. It was super heavy. And the fact that, you know, when Scott just said, look, I'm going to my tent and he just, he just went, he had, you know, had some, bought some hash or some marijuana, you know, something, you know, early. He's just like, I'm going to go to my tent and just fucking check out while Fingers this goes in the down. Ears, Cause like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Cause I don't, I, I can't be a part of this. And I'm just like, I am a part of it. Like I, you know, and, and Ed was down, like we are a part of this. This is what we got to handle it. We, we don't need to get too deep into, but what, what did you guys climb next after that? Whereas like what's the, the next time you hook up or you're like, it's like after that experience. Oh, the next thing that Scott and I did, I mean, probably had a waterfall trip or something after that. But the next big thing he and I climbed was the Slovak direct. Okay, that you was know, the next. Yeah. This is late in your career. This is towards yeah. the end. Yeah. So that was so that trip to Bolivia, Scott was ninety six. Okay. And then uh, and he didn't, you know, the uh, ninety seven. I really didn't do much. Ninety eight. I went back to Alaska, um, and we so uh, February ninety eight or March of ninety eight. We did the gift that keeps on giving them out, Bradley. I went back later that spring uh, with Bill Belcourt, climbed the West Face of Mount Huntington. Um, and then uh, linked up with Steve and uh, climbed the Upper West Rib on McKinley to acclimatize to try and do the Slovak Direct. But he and I, real, we were too late in the season, had some shit going on with Lisa and, um, and, and realized like, okay, this is not a two-man route. Like if we're going to go up on this Slovak, we're going to need a, a third person. Maybe we need to go as two teams of two because it's, we need to distribute that risk over. So, so 98, he and I failed. 99, I can't, uh, I think it was working mostly. And then finally 2000, we go back and um, with uh, Steve and Scott and did that. Copy that. Copy that <laughs> on the single push. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Longish single push. Yeah. But I just kind of figured I'd go back to the Bolivia thing. and was like, yeah, you know, 28 miles through the night, you know, after being up all day or whatever, it's just more training for like doing these single push routes. And, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, and it, is, it is also a bit of a, because we can like these fuckers yeah. aren't getting away because we can, yeah, I mean, most people wouldn't can't keep up with it. You're fifteen thousand feet, and you're in the dark, and you're in steep terrain, and it's that's that's surprise, uh, motherfucker! I yeah. got you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're like, surprise, motherfucker! We got bikes. <laughs> <laughs> Ever heard of a bicycle? <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for the story, Mark. That was yeah. awesome. Well, thank you again for even for having the idea and pushing me to, you know, tell some stuff. There will be more. I hope so. Cool. Thank you, guys.